This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I am sheltering in place cross country with my friends, Michael and Matt, Soul and Fitness, Santa Monica, changing the world virtually. Good to have you guys on the podcast. Thanks, Pete. Great to be here. Great to be here. Awesome. So, uh, so COVID hit and uh, the industry is now going digital and you guys are in the right place, right time. But why don't we start off with... Uh, you know, your, uh, your, your parallel paths of mine with uh, being an investment banker and then uh, taking a leap into entrepreneurship. For sure, yeah. Both, both Michael and I took kind of similar paths after graduating uh, from college, both out in Los Angeles. I actually moved out to New York City and did a number of years of investment banking and then a bit of private equity uh, growth investing uh, in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, and then uh, went on to to go to Wharton for business school, where uh, where we got sold and underway. So that that's a little on my background. Michael, want to want to take it away for yourself? Yeah, went to uh, went to USC after after graduating. Uh, went to go work at JP Morgan out here in Los Angeles, uh, hybrid group. So did uh, did a lot in the debt markets, but also had the wonderful opportunity to work uh, with a couple of fitness companies. We covered the West Coast, so Beachbody, LA Fitness uh, were a couple of the names. And so after that, went into an investing role, and, and obviously fitness is a huge passion of ours. So had to, had to make a, a jump into the space. Yeah. So you know, let's talk about being an investment banker first, and then then kind of morphing into you know an entrepreneurial startup. You know what I found was I had a much deeper appreciation once I started running a company. You know, versus putting it into an Excel model. So you know, start off talking about like, did you fully understand what you were getting into and you know, how did it kind of test your patience and, you know, understanding like, hey, I'm going to build this, but, you know, it's, it's going to take a little longer than what it takes to build the Excel model. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think, I think Michael and I are both ultra competitive at heart. And so coming out of, I guess, non-target schools where you'd be recruiting into investment banking. So not, a, you know, not, a, not an Ivy League per se. A lot of people told us that we couldn't get into that industry. And I think we both uh, decided, you know, if, if that's a great place to be and a great place to learn the ropes and to learn about business and to get a lot of experience, let's go for it and let's do it. And what better place to do that in than New York City, where there's a lot of energy and, and a great learning opportunity. You meet a lot of smart people. So, you know, I think for both of us, it was about getting into an industry where you can learn a lot really quickly and grasp a lot of business tactics that you can ultimately take later into life. Uh, and so that was kind of the nature in which we got into investment banking. And, you know, we knew it would be hard and, and it certainly was, but it was also very rewarding. And we hope that it set us up on a path that ultimately put us in a better position to start a company one day. Got it. That's awesome. So, you know, when you started Solon, did you guys see a void in the market or did you say, you know what, this market is going to be so big that I have the right to, to create a company in the space? Yeah, you know, there's so much content out there today. And so I'll, I'll kind of give you a little bit of the backstory and where we thought we would play in the market. But there's just so much content out there today, even pre-COVID, uh, that, you know, it can be confusing at, at times. And so the way we started was really as a consumer-facing application. Uh, we partnered with 16 trainers, average Instagram following of call it 300,000. And the goal was, let's take their great content. Let's make it super easy to sort and filter and discover that content on Solon. Um, so things like, hey, you want to find a body weight chest workout, you just plug it into our filter and, and go ahead and find that. And so that's really where we started. Uh, fast forward, COVID hits, 
we start to really realize the importance of community and social features on top of that and, and layering that into, into what was already a great content delivery mechanism. And, and then, you know, just as everybody starts to shift to digital, a couple people approaching us to, to white label our software, a couple brands. And, you know, that's where just kind of the, the breadth and depth of the fitness landscape, you know, we really noticed that, hey, we're in this thing. We really came into this thing just because we had a passion, um, but we can really use and leverage what we have right here uh, to help out a lot of people and really make a process that's, that's pretty difficult, which is to deliver content digitally, uh, make that super seamless, easy, and layer in that community feeling, which so oftentimes I think has been missing from, you know, transition to really working out from home. Yeah. I mean, we can introduce one and there's a lot of companies that want to go out and, and, and create a consumer brand and then they get hit with like, Hey, I, I've got a technology need and I want you to help me power the relationships I already have. So, you know, when you made that pivot, did you kind of like, you know, change your hat and say, okay, I'm now powering somebody else instead of kind of power myself. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, when you have part and clients, right, but we call them partners. Uh, so when you have partners and people that you work with, we're only successful if they're successful. Um, and ultimately, they're the ones that are truly making the impact on the end consumer. If, if we're successful, nobody ever knows who Solon is. They only know who, uh, who the end company is, the brand, the fitness brand that's delivering that content and community. But at the end of the day, we are responsible and it's up to us to really help these individuals that we work with, help them deliver their content, build that community in a really special way. And so that's something that we, you know, we try to bring to the table from day one, even before we partner with clients, really strategizing on that, almost acting as a little bit more of their consultants, given our investment banking and private equity backgrounds, and thinking about things analytically, critically, and really having a broad full-scale partnership rather than just being that technology provider. Uh, and we think that's where we can ultimately uh, be more impactful and differentiated. So, you know, as you look at, you know, being a, a white label um, technology platform, do you think maybe COVID was possibly, in a weird way, somewhat of a blessing for the bricks and mortar guys where, you know, maybe if this happened two or three years from now, they might have been so far behind that they might not have, you know, been known to be able to provide the digital because Peloton and Aptiv and, you know, Strava, whatever, you know, they would have been like, dude, I, you're my bricks and mortar guy. And like, I have a digital app already. So you know, what, what's your view on the timing of all this? And maybe in a weird way, it kind of woke up people to understand that their business is not, you know, checking in and out of the club. Yeah. I, th you make a great point there in that now is really, um, you know, it's, it's imperative, but, but also, uh, you know, Two years from now, if, if people were looking to go digital, Peloton may be the only name in the space. And I think what we're, what we're increasingly realizing is community is ultra important. And so the, the brick and mortar guys, they, they did a great job of, of creating that community uh, in the gym, in, whether it's boutique or, or whether it's people knowing your name at the front desk. Uh, and that's not always uh, the case when you're just getting in there and doing a Peloton ride. And so I, I think right now it's really just that opportunity when Peloton isn't develop, you know, hasn't developed those community features quite to that level, uh, for these brands that are really strong brands that really know how to motivate people, because at the end of the day, fitness is a people business. Giving them the tools 
to do that in the digital age, as well as to do that, you know, at some point it'll be a hybrid model that people will go back to the gym, maybe not in as full of a force, um, but using the digital really as a way to engage people at all times, make sure that we're really seeing results, you know, through uh, throughout the cycle of, of, of a person's, you know, membership or, or partnership with a, with a gym or studio. So from a standpoint of, um, you know, some of the, the clients that you're talking to now, and, you know, maybe some of the pushback might be, uh, hey, look, man, I'm doing Zoom, I'm doing Instagram Live, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't need what you're doing. Do you feel like we're reaching a tipping point where that's just not going to do it anymore? You know, it was a nice Band-Aid to, to COVID, but if you want to run a professional operation, like, you know, you got to use what, what we built here. You know, I, I think absolutely that's something that we keep in mind. I mean, as we think about helping these businesses, obviously live video is something that's important to a lot of people. And it's really important in instilling that community aspect. But at the end of the day, to really build a leveraging the power of on-demand content and content that is evergreen, good forever, uh, is really what builds really strong, scalable business models. And you know, to the point of Zoom and Instagram Live, I think a lot of the folks we've talked to saw a really, really, really strong response back in March and April, even May on Instagram Live. Uh, and just taking some numbers, for example, I mean, in some instances, they've had hundreds, uh, if not, you know, a couple hundred people on an Instagram Live or a Zoom session. I think as we've seen uh, the situation progress, uh, those numbers have fallen a little bit for a number of the folks that we're speaking with. And so, as you think about the longer term orientation, you know, live classes, hopefully uh, pretty soon here, we can get some of those back up in gyms. And there's always going to be probably an element now of live and in uh, Zoom classes, whether it's on Zoom or a specific fitness live platform, uh, you know, remains to be seen. But having that on-demand content that is evergreen and scalable is truly going to be an important differentiator in making these businesses stronger and able to weather, you know, whatever um, next event could occur that that brings somewhat of a downturn to to uh, additional fitness. You know, one of the things that kind of struck me, I, I got a Soul Cycle bike um, uh, probably about four months ago, and then I saw a Peloton uh, research report that said ninety percent of the people that do a Peloton class do it uh, a taped class. They actually don't do a live class. And then as I thought about you know the content that I'm consuming when I'm doing a Soul Cycle class, I don't really need it to be live. I just need it to be in the library and available and have that same connection that I, I mean, it's identical cadence. It's an, you know, it's an instructor I, I know. So what do you think the value long-term to building these content libraries are? And do you feel that these health clubs and boutique fitness owners fully appreciate the value of a great instructor? I, I think you hit the, the nail on the head uh, at, the, at that last point. I think instructors have this incredible ability and whether they're instructors under a brand or instructors on their own, they have this incredible ability to really engage with people and motivate people. And so the best instructors that do it, it doesn't matter if you're live or you're watching a recording, it's like they're speaking directly to you. And I think that that's ultra important. And the more you can capture that and the more that you can make that readily available uh, to your consumers, the better off you're going to be in the long run. And so we're at an interesting point here where there is this proliferation of live. And I think, you know, to, for some people, as you mentioned, live will be important and it will be an offering. 
Um, but it's also going to be ultra important to at any point in time, uh, somebody can just snap their fingers and go and get the perfect workout class for them. And that's really what this on-demand library enables. Uh, it's not like these videos go bad. Uh, they're forever good. And, and building up that content library is going to be ultra important uh, as we shift to the digital age. And I think the other element, Pete, that, that you kind of alluded to is from a trainer perspective, not everybody likes the same trainers, right? I mean, if, if Michael or I go into, let's use Barry's boot camp, boot camp for an example, I may really like one trainer and Michael may really like another one. Uh, and when you're doing live classes, and that's not to say you can't have both trainers going live at the same time, but it gets a little bit trickier on that front. So if you do have that on-demand content library where you know every trainer has 15 or 20 workouts that you can go to, it allows really all of your customers to be satisfied because you can always go to the trainer that really resonates with you, that teaching style that resonates with you, uh, and, and that's what's super important as well, in our opinion. Now, do you guys also consult or, or advise clubs and boutique operators on some kind of compensation structure or commission related to, you know, instructors getting some type of revenue share or, you know, what have you seen on that front? I'm, I'm not really privy to, you know, how that works. Yeah, I think that's something that's super important. And as you think about brick and mortar studios, one of the most important things is retaining your talent. Uh, if you have a fitness instructor who, uh, let's just use the magical Instagram follower number as, as a gauge, right? Who has 50,000 plus Instagram followers and says, hey, I could go do this on my own and see a lot of uh, financial benefit from that. As a fitness boutique, brick and mortar gym, you need to be able to incentivize them. And so that's something that's always top of mind, thinking through structures that ultimately will enable you to give your instructor opportunities to really grow themselves and grow their brand and giving them opportunities to grow underneath your umbrella, making the pie bigger for everybody rather than forcing out these top-notch instructors that kind of get to a peak and say, Hey, I'm going to go off and do this myself. So we absolutely do that kind of work. We also do pricing kind of consulting and what we're seeing in market for what the right on-demand pricing is for your specific uh, target market segment, as well as a number of other areas. Uh, really kind of the full gamut and, and it's something that uh, that we I think we really enjoy that aspect of the business given our backgrounds. Yeah, some some clubs have come to us and said, hey, should I do the digital as a separate membership or should I try and bundle it into my, you know, health club membership? What, what's the advice you guys give on that front? You know, I think that that's really personal to the brand. Um, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to that. You know, a number of the companies. It's a very good with, investment bank. That's an investment banker answer. I like it. I like it. <laughs> You've heard that answer plenty of times, Pete. <laughs> Give me more details, and then I'll answer. No, but uh, I think those projections are achievable <laughs> if you can achieve them. <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, for example, one of one of the groups we're working with, they have ten to fifteen studios out on the East Coast, but they are they are a brand that could easily go global, and so in that scenario you know, you're much better off having your separate on-demand platform so that you can reach folks in Santa Monica that would love the brand or folks in the Midwest that would love the brand. And so, you know, in those scenarios, I think that it's super important that you think about your ultimate end consumer. For other folks that, you know, really just have that small community and maybe they have 150 members and they don't have plans to go global. They don't want to expand it. They're more comfortable keeping this like a family tight-knit environment. Well, you may alienate your current members by saying, hey, you need to pay 30 bucks a month additional for this on-demand platform. And so in that scenario, we may have a completely different answer. Um, so that's just a little bit of a sense for how we think about those things. I think you made your point and I agree with you. Awesome. All right, cool. 
Hey, one other question I have related to um, the uh, the data. So, you know, Dave and I, you know, talk to people and they get so immersed in the data and they've got a studio or they got a club. And I'm like, you were just talking to this guy, Frank Lawrence, who runs a, a Little Rock Athletic Club. And, you know, he's like, you know, I like to listen to the members. I like to actually go play pickleball with them. I like to go take a group X class and I listen to them. So my question for you guys is when you think about the data that comes out of, you know, Pete Moore is a, you know, took three, you know, on-demand classes and he's also been in the gym twice. All right. Maybe there's a reward that we can give him or like that guy's not at risk of, you know, falling off. So have you guys thought about, or is there integration or things that you're thinking about to say, Hey, look, you got to think holistically about the touch points that you have with a member. And it's not, don't just look at the check-in data, like look at the check-in data, look at the emails that they're sending back and forth look at you know how many on-demand classes so is it there yet or is it going to get there yeah no i think uh, absolutely you know and when people go back to the gym uh yeah that, that that's that's gonna be an important point but it's really holistic and so it is part of its data part of it is is understanding are you taking your classes online are you going back to the gym but part of it also is picking up the phone and and hopping on with your members and and that's something that you know we do as well um, with, with, with our partners and understanding what their experience is like, uh, understanding that they really enjoy doing this, but here's a pain point. And sometimes that pain point can be super easily solved for that, for that end consumer. And you just need to pick up the phone and, and, and talk to them and talk to a number of them to come to that conclusion. And so it's really, at the end of the day, uh, you know, data is great. And in aggregate, Data can really tell you a lot and can tell you stuff that people don't want to say to your face, but you also need to have that uh, personal touch because fitness comes back to, to the person and, and making sure you're constantly engaging them. And so we like to take even more of a holistic approach to data to also add the qualitative as well as the quantitative. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, as we're coming out of uh, COVID here and, and, and these clubs and, and studios have to deal with some of the capacity constraints. Do you see potentially taking the on on demand classes and basically reinfusing them into the club? Do you see that as maybe like a Group X, you know, component where hey, we can't do live classes, but you know, basically you're gonna you know like do a continuous stream, you know, from our stolen back platform, you know, yeah. inside of the gym. Is that an idea? I don't, I'm just thinking out loud. That's really interesting. I, to be honest, I can't say we've ever thought about that specific idea of actually streaming it perhaps on a screen in the studio from a capacity perspective. Um, that's definitely an interesting option. The way that we have seen folks think about this and the way we've thought about this historically has been, well, you know, if you have a full omni-channel delivery mechanism, right, a website and a mobile application, well, that mobile application content is fantastic at home, but it also can be great in the gym. And one thing we've been very, very deliberate about in building our content delivery mechanism is to not make it so that we can only house one type of content. We've made it so we can house all types of content. So that content could either be full screen content that looks more like Instagram Live or like a Zoom class or like a YouTube video. But it can also be that you know, more demo content, which may be 15 to 30 second clips of exercises from great trainers that may be more on, you know, like a bench press or some other sort of variation of actual in the gym weightlifting. So the, uh, you know, the various ways that you can deliver content through a digital platform can definitely be used both at home, 
and also to supplement the in the gym experience. And when you add the community element on top of that to make sure that you're getting that in-person community aspect as well as the digital community aspect and layering all that together, we think it's really powerful, not just to create a digital platform to your point, but to create that true omni-channel delivery mechanism in studio, out of studio, and make that all a cohesive experience for the user. Got it. So, um, so I want to switch over to a minute and go back to you know your investment banking experience and, and my investment banking experience. Sure. And uh, I'm very much like, I got a deal. I work really hard on a deal. The deal's done. I get paid. Client's happy. We move on to the next deal. You know, as you guys pivoted into running a software company, where it's basically like a painting that is always wet and it's never done, right? And you keep adding more bells and whistles to it. You know, how do you guys, you know, giving advice to other entrepreneurs to, you know, think through, you know, okay, I got a version out there right now. I'm not, I want to sell this version before I tell people, no, wait till next version of what's going to be on the next version. Or, you know, here's a hundred things that I can add to this list. Obviously, you can keep adding to that list, you know, continuously. So how do you guys calibrate? Maybe you guys have a yin yang thing going there um, on your end to say, hey, that's a great idea in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the the call it growing pains that 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 you have at the start is everything is a great idea. And right. there's always a world in which it'll work, but it really takes discipline to understand uh, from a technical side of things, how quickly can we get this out there? How quickly can we test it? Uh, something we consistently say out here is, you know, fail fast, learn faster, because as great as it sounds in your mind, when you're building a software product, you need to get it in the hands of your consumers as quickly as possible. Uh, and so that's ultra important. When you're, when you're sitting there on a deal in, in, in banking, it's like, you just need to hit these same steps to make sure that the deal goes through and you get your fee. As you're building a software product, it's, it's quite different. Like you need to make sure that your consumers are really enjoying your product. They love what you're doing. Uh, and so that really requires the consumer's feedback in all of this. And it requires working very closely uh, with the brands that we work with to understand what makes them special and how can we layer that into and onto the, the software that really powers, you know, our, our business and, and ultimately their digital offering. So, yeah, it's really tough. We do a lot of force ranking. Uh, that's really where the qualitative comes in with the quantitative as well. And constantly pushing, you know, minimum lovable products so that we can get feedback on it and make it really what the consumer wants and needs. Got it. So, um, you know, I'm sure every client's a little bit different, but, you know, how do you guys set up your pricing model? you know, for potential clients that are listening to this and, you know, what's the setup and how long does that take? Yeah, it, it, to your point, every client is different because we work with clients that are, you know, small, single studio brick and mortars or single online creators, all the way up to larger kind of global fitness brands that have, you know, uh, studios all across the world. So definitely differs um, there, you know, depending upon the client, sometimes there is an upfront customization fee, depending upon the type of customization that they want. Uh, though oftentimes there is no upfront fee. And I think that to us is really important, particularly in these times where a lot of brick and mortar studios don't have a ton of capital to necessarily allocate to a project like this. So every single one of our deals, we try to push more, if not all of that fee into a monthly recurring fee. Uh, and that monthly recurring fee generally consists of two parts. One part is a, a 
per fee per platform. Uh, and a platform would be like an iPhone app, an Android app, a website, uh, or perhaps other types of apps as well. And then there's also some element of revenue share or per subscriber fee uh, on an ongoing basis as well, which really incentivizes us to, uh, to make sure that our client is successful because we're truly only seeing uh, you know, good deals of our clients are successful. So that is uh, super important to us and also allows us to scale with our clients so that uh, you know, we're, we're only happy if they're happy. Yeah. One thing I'd add is, is what we've seen in the market is, and our goal here is really to democratize you know, fitness software and, and, and digital software uh, and getting that out. And so we've seen great brands that you know, have a ton of studios. We've seen great brands that are just doing a fantastic do- job uh, engaging their their fitness community, and our goal is is to let them use our tools to grow, and and we grow with them. And so that to us is super important because there should be the perfect trainer for everybody. Everybody's different, but there should be the perfect trainer, and you should be able to go and access uh, that trainer's content. And that's that's the world we want to live in, and that's the world we're kind of pushing towards and, and doing our best to uh, to give people the tools to to make that world a reality. That's great. So, you know, from a standpoint, uh, you know, last question here, you know, as you look at the core health club market and you look at the core boutique fitness market, which obviously is your, you know, your core client base, do you see, or have you gotten any inbound, uh, requests from, you know, insurance companies, corporate wellness, or, you know, other groups that, you know, may finally join, you know, the halo movement and understand that, you know, preventative health might be a solution versus, you know, getting people into the hospital and on these uh, crazy pharmaceuticals. Absolutely, uh, one of one of our favorite uh, one of the favorite folks we're working with right now is is definitely tangential to the fitness space, uh, more in the hospitality industry, and so we're doing a lot of strategizing with them on how we can make this a platform that really fits into exactly what they want to do. Uh, so, really exciting partnership that we're hoping to announce here in the in the coming weeks or coming months. In terms of the broader movement and potentially going into the more corporate wellness uh, or just fully, not even necessarily tangential industries, but just completely different industries, we absolutely see a world in which this software is uh, very easily usable for them and very easily transferable, uh, which is super exciting to us and something that we are, uh, you know, we'd we love to, to Michael's point, democratize fitness uh, and, and make it accessible for everybody. So. That's something that we're very excited about. At this point, as you know well, Pete, uh, the fitness industry is uh, is a crazy space and there is so much activity. Um, so our focus does remain on the fitness space today, but longer term, you know, the opportunities are, are endless for, for lack of a better uh, way of putting it. Awesome. So we usually end with uh, some good quotes. So you guys got any uh, good quotes that you uh, that you knock around or that you live by? Sure, you wanna go first or second, Michael? Uh, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first here. Right. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to steal what's, what's sitting on my brother's, uh, computer screen here. Um, but you know, I think it's important. Uh, it says be human first. And I think oftentimes we can get uh, caught up in, in everything that's going on. Uh, we all, we all have stresses in our lives, but at the end of the day, making a connection, uh, is, is difficult to do, but it's incredibly important to do. And I think that it's, um, important as you build culture within a business uh, and it's important as you build partnerships is to understand that you're sitting across from, from, from a human and, and we're all trying to grow the pie as opposed to, to split up the pie. So um, I think that's ultra important. Yeah. I like it. 
Mine's a little longer. As a basketball fan, though, you'll have to bear with me. Uh, it's the late, great John Wooden. I grew up a big UCLA fan and went to school there. Great UCLA basketball coach. And he says, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing you made the effort to become the best of which you are capable of becoming. So in other words, success is not about the end outcome, but it's about the effort you put into it and about giving your all in all circumstances. And I think that's kind of the culture that we have here as a company. Uh, everybody's going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes with partners. Uh, you know, it's just the fact of life, but it's not necessarily about that. It's about really, you know, giving your all in all circumstances and doing all that you can uh, to ultimately uh, do right by everybody you're working with and do right by, do right by yourself. Yeah, that's awesome. So hopefully coming out of this uh, sheltering in place, you know, once in a lifetime pandemic, we, uh, you know, more people understand what we're trying to provide here. And I think, you know, collectively, we are the solution to a lot of problems. You know, we're trying to solve loneliness, obesity and diabetes, as you guys are, uh, you know, directly and indirectly. And that comes with community and that comes with giving people access. So, um, glad we uh we got connected here look forward to uh helping you guys out as much as possible with your success yeah i like to say like wolf blitzer we like some breaking news so when that big account comes in you know you could tell us first it'd be, be nice to put it on <laughs> halo talks um, i look forward to uh getting a workout with you guys in december when i get out there pete thanks so much for having us this was a pleasure and awesome. a blast and we're pumped for manhattan beach as well yeah can't wait for all the right, workout guys. All right, got going. it i'm in all right guys all right. talk to you soon yeah, appreciate it. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, See how it works. Get a free $10 gift card from us and uh, keep listening and making everybody great.